<laughs> now you know why you have your little marshmallows or your cookies, whatever you chose, but you can't eat them, okay? You've got to just stare at them the entire service while I'm preaching to distract you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That's what we've been talking about over this whole series, right? Trusting in God. Being able to trust in God. But I want to tell you something. That... You can memorize that passage, you can read it over and over and over again, and you can never, you will never truly live it out without self-discipline, without spiritual discipline. I was thinking about it this week. Whatever happened to the idea of personal discipline? I mean, in our culture, it's beginning, I mean, it's just evaporating. Our culture seems to lack discipline in economics, in our health, for example, and certainly in our morality. As a nation, we're getting more and more unhealthy, and the pharmaceutical companies are trying to keep up with, in many cases, our choices, but they're falling short. They're not able to come up with the, enough of the, the medicines that we need to, stop, to, to keep us healthy from all the things we're choosing to do. It's extremely, extremely difficult as we look at our culture to see how we keep slipping and morally it's getting worse. Now, I could spend um, a half hour in this sermon talking to you about uh, the statistics, the discouraging statistics for STDs in our culture. But I thought to myself, I'm not going to waste a lot of time doing that because to be honest with you, most of the people in this culture, culture have heard those statistics for STDs, but there doesn't seem to be much change in their behavior. So I want to stop for just a moment to make my point as we build into the sermon uh, and share one statistic with you. The most common STD is HPV. It causes, now get this, this sexually transmitted disease causes 90% of cervical cancer. 90%. Over 50% of the people who are sexually active, they remain sexually active, will get, okay, will get HPV in their lives. Now, our answer to this concern, the answer to 90% of cervical cancer and and 50% of people are going to get this, the answer to that is to vaccinate 11 and 12-year-olds. I'm not saying it's wrong to vaccinate at all. But the answer is to vaccinate so that when... From their perspective, when they become sexually active as teenagers uh, or later on, they're not going to be infected. So that's the answer. You can't, it's impossible, this other other answer is impossible. The CDC basically said the the only way to prevent, okay, to basically prevent or make sure that you don't get an STD is by abstinence. But see, that would take take some self-discipline. Abstinence takes self-discipline. And I thought about it this week. I thought to myself, if, if we would, we talked last week about following the word of God, right? We made a commitment. We signed a covenant that we're going to try to read the word of God every single day. If we would follow the word of God, if we would trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, if we would remain pure until we're married and then stay faithful to our spouse, okay, after we're married, we would wipe out STDs, wipe them out. Sure, things would pop up here and there, but think about that. Think about all the deaths from cancer and other diseases. Think about all the suffering 
that these things cause, we could wipe them out by just listening to what God... You know, some people, sometimes people say, well, God's just like a cosmic killjoy. He, he doesn't want us to have any fun. God loves us so much. God, knowing all things, having all knowledge, knows that if we choose to do this, the consequences are going to be this. And he loves us so much, he tells us, thou shalt not, don't do these things. By precepts and principles, he tries to tell us not to do certain things so that our lives are going to be healthy, and morally sound and we're going to accomplish and achieve everything that he's called us to be and do that's because he loves us but as i read those statistics and i talk about like what does it mean to to be pure into your marriage to stay to stay healthy in your marriage all those kinds of things and i say that that if we if we would just follow the word of god we could wipe out stds from existence And I can almost hear the world's response because I've done this before and I get people coming up and saying, well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. You can't tell people that. That's impossible. And we go through it and people just say, and you think about it, if you think about it, what they're doing is saying, you talk talk about all the people in the world. And your concept would be completely ridiculous. And, but I'm talking to you this morning. I'm talking to you as followers, many of you as followers of Jesus Christ. And I'm saying, if you, hear, if you hear the word of God, if you listen to the word of God and you follow the word of God, so much of the suffering in your, in your life can be avoided. So much of it. And here's the thing. I know the reality of self-discipline, this virtue of self-discipline, is is possessed by very few people, but it's not something that we cannot possess. Self-discipline is something that we can all achieve. Again, I know it's hard. And I want you to know, before I move on any further, I want you to know and I want you to understand that that this is difficult. And I'm not standing up here and and saying, well, what's wrong with you people? What's wrong? You need more self-discipline in your life. The whole world's falling apart and the church is this. And um, that's not what I'm doing. What I want you to understand from more than anything else in this sermon is I love you. I care about your life. Obviously, God loves you more than you even love yourself. And there are certain things that God wants to achieve in our lives. There are certain things that you want to achieve in your life. But listen, you're not going to achieve them. You're not going to stay on the straight path. You're not going to become the person that God created you to be without self-discipline, without spiritual discipline. So it's the foundation on which we stand. We, we need to know the word of God. We need to be living out the word of God. In order to do that, we have to have this self-discipline. It is so affecting our country. I want you to think about the economics of our country, for example. We have had years and years and years and years of undisciplined spending at every level of our government. And, we, and it also in our own personal lives. People are saving less. People are borrowing more. I just read an article yesterday that, we're, that the, the debt, individual debt, is now on the rise again. It's keep on rising and rising. Our national debt is nothing short of, a, of an epidemic, okay, a financial disaster of epidemic proportions because of runaway spending. It's constantly runaway spending. Rather than teaching our nation what it means, actually, to the value of financial accountability, financial discipline, And teaching our people what the importance of saving for their future and not borrowing until they get themselves into debt. I just, I don't know if you read that, you saw that article about that man who ended up 
um, I'm not going to get all the details with kids here, but did some things with his family because they, and they went back and said the reason they did that, he did that because they were in such debt and he was desperate. And so he made these choices. We need to realize that, that self-discipline will have such a profound impact on our lives in every area of our lives. We need to, we need to make, for example, from an economic standpoint, we need to make saving a part of our future and staying out of debt instead of, instead of from a national standpoint, even, even an individual standpoint, kicking the can down the road, if you will. Continuing to just kick the can down the road like it's all going to go away. Do you know this is, the first, this is the first generation in American history that's going to leave a debt for the next generation? Because we lack what our ancestors had. We lack what our grandparents had. And, in, and that is self-discipline. That's having the discipline to say, to have that in your hand and saying, I'm going to wait. The reward at the end is going to be greater. So I'm going to wait on that now. We can't seem to wait on that now. And that's not only a problem in economics and health. It's a problem for us spiritually from, the, from, from God's people. That becomes a problem for us. I think it's pretty clear that a lack of self-discipline is at the root of many, okay, many, many, many of our personal and national problems. If we could, dis- we could wipe out so much struggle, so much hardship, so much, dis- so much uh, difficulty in our lives, if we, could, if we could work on, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this whole concept of discipline, self-discipline, spiritual discipline. How about the church? Let's talk about the church for a second. I, re- I recently read a study that of 2,900 um, Protestant church members, it said that 90% of them desired to honor Jesus Christ in every area of their lives. That's great, isn't it? So they said 90%, they, they did a statistic, they did a study, and so 90% of these church go, they wanted to honor God, they wanted to honor Jesus Christ in every area of their lives. But only 19% of them read their Bibles every day. 19%. So here's my point. You cannot, you cannot honor God in every area of your life if you don't know what the word of God says. You cannot honor God. You cannot become more like God. You cannot honor Jesus Christ in every area of your life if you don't know what honors him. If you don't know what he actually wants. If you don't know his desire for your life. Let's be honest. Discipline, discipline is what we need the most and want the least. Everyone would agree. It's that first service, people going out, basically saying that. It's what they, it's what they need the most but want the least. Because it's, so, it's, it's hard. But if we, if we can just learn it, and here's my heart. It, all the, I preach to you, I tell you different things. We go through different topics. We go through different, you know, different services and different series. And I tell you these things. But without this as a foundation, we're not going to be able to accomplish those things. So we've got to dig a little bit deeper because if we can learn this, okay, if we can learn this and we can live this, our lives will be better. The Bible says that. And, and this, this Stanford University study, this was actually the first time it was done in the late 60s, early 70s. And what they found is that the kids who were able, that little boy was so funny, who was just standing there and like, oh, you know, at the end he sticks them in his mouth. The kids were able to wait for the reward at the end, 
Okay, their lives turned out so much better when it comes to their SAT scores, when it comes to their so when it comes to the educational attainment, uh, body mass index, all all the statistics and all the measurables they had for people's lives that people's lives were better off. They were better off than other people. The kids who were able to hold off and not eat the marshmallow or the cookie or whatever it was that they were using, those kids lives turned out better now. Stanford University figured out something in late 60s and early 70s that the Bible knew already. God said that already. That's just a biblical reality. We need to live that out in our own lives. If we learn this, if we can learn this, and we can pull this off, our lives will be so much richer for it. So how many, everybody still have their cookie or their marshmallow or whatever? Got it? All right. Anybody eat theirs? Yeah, yeah, there you go. I got a couple of people. You're like that little girl. The lady didn't even get finished saying what she was saying. The little girl like, ate the whole marshmallow. That's you, right? But here's the cool thing. Remember last week, a couple weeks ago, we talked about justification, and we talked about sanctification, we talked about glorification. Justification is a once-and-for-all event, right? It happens. You ask Christ to come into your life. You are justified, and then you are. Then there's, a, there's sanctification. Here's the good thing. Sanctification is an ongoing process. So everybody raise their hand. Don't be discouraged. The next time I hand out marshmallows and cookies a year from now, you'll be like, the, you'll be, they'll be right next to you. And you'll be the little boy who eats them at the end. All right? So that's okay. I don't want people discouraged. This is an ongoing process. Spiritual discipline is not going to happen after this sermon. I'm just being honest. I don't have, I don't have that much motivational skill. Okay? Extrinsic motivation. Okay? I'm just going to teach you. I'm going to share with you. And then intrinsic motivation from the Holy Spirit over time, sanctification, an ongoing process. God will work this out in our lives. We'll become stronger and stronger and more disciplined and more disciplined and more disciplined. And as we get older, we'll be, we'll be stronger. So don't be discouraged. Okay? Go get another cookie after it's all over. And just don't be just, Maybe take the cookie home with you or the marshmallow. Just sit it out in front of somewhere and do it again. Okay, and see how much longer you last. I just want to encourage you. Okay, this is a learning time. This is a learning experience. So what is self-discipline? Let's kind of walk through it. What is self-discipline? In the New Testament, the word discipline has, has, is used in many different ways. Okay, so it's used in, in a lot of different ways. This morning, what I want to focus on is the idea of disciplining ourselves. How do I discipline myself to accomplish all that God has for my life? How do I do that? Biblically, discipline, in this sense, refers to believers forming godly habits and godly patterns. So when the Bible talks about it, it's talking about believers, you and me. And how we form godly patterns of behavior and godly habits. Okay, developing those, those, those habits. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7, it says this. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. And what that means is old wives' tales. Okay, it's not busting on old women. On the other hand, <laughs> all, the, all the old women are like, wait a second, you know, what I mean? with those old men. On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness, okay? On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. There, there in lo- there's, the, there's the goal. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, the word discipline, the Greek, is the word gymazo, okay? Gymazo. It's where we get the, the English words gymnastics and gymnasium. 
And the idea is that you would exercise, okay? It's, 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 it means to exercise, to, to put yourself through training. You want to put yourself through training. So how do I, how do I achieve this? I got to put myself through an exercise. I need to put myself through training. The King James Version says it this way. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So you want to exercise yourself unto godliness, becoming more like Jesus Christ. I'm talking about putting yourself, what what it means is putting yourself through intense spiritual training. So think about it. Um, those of you who were able to sign that covenant last week that you're going to read your Bible every day, right? Some people are sitting here literally going, I, I, I forgot I signed that covenant. I, I, I didn't read once. And okay, don't do guilt out, okay? No beating up here. You signed it, you forgot, you got caught up in other things, start again. That's the great thing about the Christian life, okay? God loves us. And we, he's looking for heart. So just start again. Start over. Start reading every single day. Start in the book of John or start in the book of Matthew and just kind of read through. That's okay. But ask yourself, how did I do? Well, I missed two or three days. That's all right. Next week, miss two days. Next week, miss one. The week after, miss one day. Just keep moving forward, creating that, that habit, creating that discipline in your life, creating those patterns in your life. How many of you... Have ever ever um, been on a sports team or started some kind of exercise routine? Okay, you've been on a team or you've started. Raise your hand if you've been on a team or you started some kind of exercise routine or some kind of which are kind of to lose weight. Now, I think we we love the idea um, of losing weight. We love the idea of making the team. We love the idea of an exercise routine. We love the idea of running the, the, you know, the, the flying pig marathon at some point. We love that idea, but the reality of it is a little different, all right? Because you think about it, when you do that, it's kind of fun in the beginning. You, 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 New Year's resolution or, you know, going back to school, whatever. You're going to start doing this. And and so you like it. It sounds kind of fun, but then something happens. The reality of it sets in that you have to get up earlier in the morning, right? You have to get up earlier. That you, 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 you have to change your diet. You have to change your eating habits, habits. You have to change your routine in some way. Instead of going to whatever to at work at lunchtime, you go to, have to go to the gym at lunchtime. So it changes your routine and it kind of messes things up and it makes it more difficult. Sticking to stick to a, to a training routine takes a lot of effort. Takes a lot of effort. And you'll never be able to keep it up. You will never be able to accomplish it if you don't have self-discipline. If you don't discipline yourself to keep going, listen, to keep going when you don't want to. That's really the, that's what this boils down to. What I'm talking about here is extremely difficult because the Bible, God, I, this morning, even through with the Word of God, I'm asking you to do something that is really difficult. This is difficult. I'm asking you to do something and keep doing something sometimes when you really don't want to keep doing it. Disciplining yourselves spiritually as a Christian is the same. It takes a lot of effort. It's the same thing. It won't be easy sometimes. It won't be fun. It won't be convenient. Okay? But, it, but honestly, it will be profitable. And I mean profitable beyond your wildest dreams. There, there are dreams that you all have for what you want for your personal life, in your relationships, 
it at work. Okay, there are career dreams. There are personal dreams. There are all these dreams. They are not going to ultimately come to fruition without self-discipline, without spiritual discipline. You are not going to achieve what God desires for your life without that kind of discipline. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. This is Paul saying, Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. There's a purpose behind it, okay? There's a purpose. He's looking ahead. I don't run like someone who runs aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Flailing around with no purpose in mind. This is what he says. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Let me read that again. No, I strike a blow to my own body and make it my slave. So as so basically he's saying, I, I am going to beat, I am going to beat my, beat the, the, if you will, my sinful nature right out of me. Right here in verse 27, Paul lays out the meaning of discipline. What is he talking? What is the Bible talking about? This is the meaning of discipline to enslave or subdue our sinful nature to bring it under the will of God to subdue. Every single one of you in this room has a besetting sin. There's some area where you struggle. Maybe it's lying. Okay, you've struggled with lying most of your life. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe it's um, what you watch or what you're doing. Everyone has something. Okay, in your life. And what Paul is saying, listen, you got to beat it out of yourself spiritually. You got to, you got, I, I, Jeff, have to decide what is that besetting sin in my life. I need to take hold of that. I need to see it as an enemy and I need to beat it out of myself over time. If I, I, I I'll tell you, some of you be like, no way. My temper, wow, do I have a temper. And when I was younger, wow, was it out of control. And when I became a Christian, that was one thing I targeted. I targeted my temper. I had to bring that under control. I no longer wanted my emotions to dictate my actions. And I worked on it, and I worked on it, and I worked on it. And it is very difficult for any of you to get me to really overreact. Because of years and years. I still get upset by things. I still lose my temper. I still sin. Okay? I do. Absolutely. But not, not as often as I used to. Not very often at all. Because over years I have disciplined myself to try to beat that out of my life. It basically, so it's this, this idea of enslaving or subduing my sinful nature and bringing it under the will of God to control my mind and to control my body so that it does what I want it to do, not what it wants to do. You know what I'm talking about here. You, you, someone kicks you off and what you naturally want to do is lash back out at them. You say that to me and I'm going to fire back. You say my mother wears army boots and I'm going to say, you know, people bust on the president sometimes as they say, you know, well, you know, you're, you're blah, 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 blah. And he fires something back that's, that's holy moly. Right? That's what people do. You say something about my mom, I'm going to say something about your mom. You say something about me, I want to fire back. You, you hurt my feelings, I'm going to hurt your feelings back. 
And the ability to take a step back, our natural reaction is to lose our temper. Our natural reaction is to hurt the person who hurt us. Spiritual discipline says, take a deep breath. You need to have emotional maturity. You need to have spiritual maturity. And though someone is saying something that harms you, you know, I was thinking about, I'd love to get to the point in my life as I get older, that if someone punched me right in the face and knocked me down, my first reaction would be, I wonder what had happened in that person's life. I wonder what that person's going through in order for them to be so upset that they would strike me and not jump up and do the normal human reaction to it. When someone says something hurtful, to be able to say, I wonder what they're going through right now to cause them to say that to me. What they, what's happened in their lives that would cause them to hurt me that way, to lash out, hurt people, hurt people, right? But that takes spiritual discipline. That takes time over time and over time to become more like Jesus Christ. To achieve our, our, our spiritual goals, we need to fight our sinful nature with spiritual discipline. You know, to kind of sum this up, discipline is training yourself, this definition part. Discipline is training yourself to do what's right even when you don't feel like it. Discipline is training yourself to do what is right. What would Jesus do when you don't feel like it? How many times, how, how, how many of you would love to go back to that time at your work or at home or whatever and the person, your boss and someone did and you just, no, you let them and you'd love to go back and take that all back because of the consequences of your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your boss, your coworker, your family. You love to go back and, and you, you wish you could go back and say, I wish I had the spiritual discipline not to have reacted to their behavior. Don't beat yourself up over it because that's where you want to get. You want to get to that point. You want to get to that point. But that's what God, that's why God says what he says, tries to protect us. So again, to achieve our spiritual goals, we need to fight. Okay, we need to fight our sinful nature with spiritual discipline. I don't remember you, a lot of you may not remember Tom Landry. If you're a little older, you do. He was the, the coach for the Dallas Cowboys. And Tom Landry said this, and I absolutely love it. He said, the job of a football coach is to make men do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they've always wanted to be. It's to make men do what they don't want to do in order for them to achieve what they've always wanted to be. There it is. That's like Jesus, our coach. I want you to, I want to help you to do what you don't want to do so that you can achieve what you always wanted to be. That's what God is saying. Tom Landry was a Christian. He picked that up off Jesus. That's what we want. That's what we all desire. That's exactly what Tom Landry said. That's exactly what we need to do. That's what I need to do. 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, Discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. Now, now here's the important thing. In the Greek, that's an imperative, which means God's not leaving any options. You can do it or not do it. If you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's one option. Do it. Do it. What is it saying to do? Discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness. 
Period. Not, not, I'm not giving you the option here. God is saying, this is what you and I need to strive for. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, then our goal is to become godly, to become righteous, to become holy, to become more like Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And that can only happen through spiritual discipline. It's the only way it can happen. So if you're a Christian, hear, hear me out. If you say, if you're, if you're saying, I'm a follower of Christ, then, it, then you have to, you have to discipline yourself for the personal purpose of godliness. Why? Because you will, number one, because God says so, period, end of story. Number two, you will never achieve all that God has for you. You will never become spiritually mature. And that's what we're talking about in this series, becoming spiritually mature. You won't become spiritually mature if you don't do that. John MacArthur wrote this. Godly character is not the result of good intentions or wishful thinking, some mystical zap or even sheer biblical knowledge. Oh, I so agree with that. It's developed through the self-discipline application of God's word at a very basic level, enabling and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Enabled and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. There it is. That's, that's so true. Now, I was thinking about as I was writing this, how hard this is. It's hard. It's, matter of fact, the last, I don't know, this whole summer, you think we take a break from hardness, but it's been tough. It's been tough spiritually for all of us to try to, to try to, I mean, talking about maturity in Christ. What does it mean to be mature in your faith? It takes, it takes, it takes self-discipline. It takes spiritual discipline. Everything, think about whatever, what do you want to, you want to, what do you want to accomplish? Project yourself in the future. What do you want to accomplish? That will not happen, okay? You will not accomplish what God has for you without, without at least moving in this direction of self-discipline, of spiritual discipline. I'm not saying it's not hard, but it is achievable. It is not impossible, okay? It is not ridiculous. It can be done. In so many areas of our lives. And let me tell you something else. For those of you who had your, your, your grandparents and your parents, they left you with a, man, a lot of issues. Here's the thing. If you, can, if you can conquer this, if you can take hold of this, if you can pull this off, you cut that generational, that, the generational tie right there. And the past is the past. And your kids see this in your life and they pick up on it and take it into their children's lives. You will help the next generation. Our children, okay, will pick up on uh, what we're doing in our spiritual lives, in our personal lives, and they will take it from there, and they will go forward. You're laying a strong foundation for the future, and that's something I think all of our children need. So, okay, how can we achieve a life of discipline? Let me, let me show you, share one thing that I've learned uh, that will help us do just that. I've learned that there needs to be a clear spirit, there needs to be clear spiritual goals. If you want to achieve this, there, there needs to be clear spiritual goals that you're reaching for. I once heard someone say, discipline without direction is drudgery. Discipline without direction is drudgery. Let me, let me explain what, I, what I'm talking about here, help you understand it. Think about it from a financial standpoint, your financial goals. For example, you decide that you want to retire at 55 years old. You want to own a certain house and a certain car at some point in your life. You want to, you want to retire and you want to travel the world, okay? That's what you want to do. Those are cool things. That's okay. 
Those are all cool things that you might want to do. These are financial goals that you have laid out. To achieve those financial goals, though, you need financial discipline. I can't just say, I want to retire 55 years old. I want to retire at 65. You can't just say that and wishful think your way to retirement at 55 years old if you haven't had financial discipline. It's, it's not going to happen. And here's the cool thing. So you have, you have, this, you have these financial goals, but now, but now instead, of just, instead of just saving for the future in a general sense, so you have these financial goals, you want to retire 55. So instead of just saving now in a general sense, now you have a financial vision for the future. So my financial vision for the future is that I want to retire and I want to travel the world uh, with my spouse and, you know, and, and just enjoy. And I want, so now you have, you have a financial vision for your future. You know what that does? That motivates you day to day when you're 21 and you're 31 and you're 41. You see it building up. You're motivated to discipline yourself because you want to achieve that future goal. This culture, my friends, doesn't think that way. They think of the now. They, they're the person who constantly takes the... They never learn. They just oh, there's a, um, another one. I'm going to eat that one. Another marsh. Oh, put it down. If you just wait for... But if you just hold... Well, right? Calm down. I'll give you three marshmallows if you don't eat that one. Hmm. Three marshmallows in the future is better than one right now. That's what we're talking about. That financial, we need to have a vision for our future. When I, came, when I gave my life to Christ, there were a few things I laid out that I wanted to achieve when I became an older man. When I became older in my faith. Now, one of them is I decided, I want to be more like Jesus. I was a baby Christian, and that, that was the thing, man. Just become more like Jesus. So I wanted, to be as, I wanted to be more like Jesus Christ. I wanted to learn what it meant to, meant to be a good father and a good husband. I didn't have a father growing up. He wasn't dead, but he just wasn't there. So I didn't, I didn't know what it was to be a good father and a good husband. The first thing I did when I got a Bible, my youth pastor put a little ready reference in the back. I looked up father and husband. And I read every passage in the Bible that had to do with being a father and being a husband so I could learn to be a good one. Because I didn't know how to do that. I didn't see it. So I didn't know how to do it. The Bible taught me how to do it. I wanted to be a good example to my family in the church. At this point in my life, I say this with all the love in the world, I really don't care what people think. I've learned it's not worth worrying about it. I do care, though, very much about my witness to all of you and the people in this community. When it comes to my faith journey, when it comes to how I live my life, I really care about how I present myself to you, how I treat you, Okay, and how I treat the community as general, because I don't want people being pushed away from Christ because of my behavior in my life. I want them drawn to Christ because of my behavior and because of my life. I also wanted to worship God in every area of my life. When I worked at Exxon, I did everything I was supposed to do at Exxon. I always got 100% on the scores when they came and checked out the station. Why? Because I wanted to worship. I was worshiping God when I worked for Exxon. And I wanted my supervisor and I wanted all the people there and I wanted the other workers to know I was a follower of Jesus Christ. And I would scrub the oil off the thing. I would pick up the cigarette butts. I would do everything I was asked to do. Not because I loved Exxon, because I loved Jesus. And I wanted to worship him in every single area of my life. I also wanted to defend the defenseless. 
I wanted, I wanted to spend my life defending those who couldn't defend themselves, sticking up for the underdog, helping people who just needed a hand up. That was my desire. And so I had these spiritual goals and I lived my life. I projected out the end and I lived toward that end, my life. And it has helped me avoid so many mistakes in my life because I no, I will not choose to do this because that will affect a goal that I've laid out for my life. What are yours? What is God calling you to be? What is God calling you to do? Answer the question in your own heart. What are your goals? What are your spiritual visions? What is God calling you to be? What is God calling you to do? And then as you lay that out, here's the thing. Spiritual discipline, self-discipline, no longer becomes a negative thing in your life. It is a positive thing in your life because you're seeing yourself. You're seeing what you want to achieve. And now you're excited about using the God-given gifts and using what God has given to you in order to achieve the goals that he has laid out for you. Once you establish that, once you establish in your mind what, you, what your goals are, it becomes it becomes something, like I said, positive and not something negative in your life. It's intrinsic motivation. You're internally motivated to accomplish what you have laid out before you. We're motivated to self-discipline as long as we keep our goals in mind. If you don't have those goals in mind and there's no reason, I want to get bigger and I want to get stronger. I want to get faster. I want to, get, I want to, be the, I want to make the college team. I want to make the pros. You will work toward that goal. It's right out in front of you. If you don't care, why would you work that hard? I don't want to, get, I don't, I'm, I don't want to do this. If you, don't, if you don't have the goal out in front of you, you're not going to work hard enough to accomplish that goal. And it leads us to our ultimate goal. All of this... All of this leads us to our ultimate goal, which is godliness and Christ-likeness. Here's, here's, the, here's the thing. The only person who can keep you from accomplishing your spiritual goals, okay, who can, who can keep you from doing what we're describing this morning is you. You can keep yourself from accomplishing what God has for you in your life. We are, as a culture, we as individuals sometimes are unwilling to put out the effort to discipline ourselves. We are unwilling to put out the effort to discipline ourselves. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that needs, you need to work on that. You need to work on discipline. I don't care, I don't, I don't really care how you do it. I'll give you an example. If you're, if you're a person who loses your temper very easily... You're a person who lashes back out. Here's what you want to do. You want to pray to God today before you leave this building that he will give you an opportunity tomorrow. He will put you in a situation where that is going to be tested. You ask him to put you in a situation where you can achieve, where you can overcome it. Pray, God, put me in a situation where I would normally lose my temper and then God will allow that to come into your life and then you, being prepared for it, overcome it. Yes, I've done that. And you do that over and over and over. Never pray to God. God, never put me in a situation where I'm going to be tempted to whatever. God doesn't tempt you. That's not what I'm talking about. But never put me in a situation where I have to deal with this. No, pray to God that he puts you in situations that you have to deal with it so you can work on your spiritual discipline and overcome it and become a different person. More like his son, Jesus Christ. I want you to think about it this way. God basically uses three things to make us holy. Okay, through his Holy Spirit, okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God uses three things, basically, basically, you can come up with more, three things to make us holy. He uses people, 
He uses circumstances and he uses spiritual discipline or self-discipline. Okay? He uses people. In Proverbs 27:17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Right? So he uses people. He uses us to sharpen each other and strengthen each other. He uses circumstances. God will allow certain things to come into our lives, trials and and hardships, in order to develop character in us. He allows those things in our lives to develop character. So he uses people and he he uses circumstances. He also uses spiritual discipline. If you think about it, spiritual discipline is the only area that I just described are those three that you're in control of. My friends, you are not in control of other people. You are not in control of your circumstances most of the time or a lot of the time. But what you are in control of is, am I going to be a person who has spiritual discipline in their lives? Am I going to be a spiritually disciplined person? Am I going to have self-discipline in my life? I can choose that. Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, I can choose that for my life. I cannot choose how you're going to behave. I cannot choose a circumstance that comes into my life, but I can choose intrinsically, internally, if I'm going to be a person who has self-discipline or spiritual discipline in my life. Self-discipline is immensely important because without it, we will not be on the straight path. We will not find the life that God has designed for us. Please let that sink in. You will not find the life that God has designed for you without that kind of spiritual discipline. We will wander like lost children through the wilderness. We will wander. We will long for. We will long for a life that, we're, that, that is always out of our reach. You will be longing your whole entire life for, for, a, for a, a life that is, that is just about out of your reach when it comes to your relationships, when it comes to, when it comes to your career, when it comes to your personal life. You're going to be longing for, a, you're going to be longing for something that is a life that is just out of your reach. And that's something we can't have. Because as we grow older, we're going to wonder about a life that could have been. Could have, would have, should have. My goodness, please don't die an old man or an old woman laying on your deathbed saying, would have, could have, should have, if I could have only, if I would have only. We will regret the choices. We will, we will regret the choices and the, weak, the weakness of character that led us to a disappointing, unfulfilled and mediocre life. And that is something I cannot bear for any of you. That's something I will not, will not bear for myself. And it's something I don't want any of you to look back on your lives and said, if I just had the discipline, if I just had that, if I, that, if I had stronger character, if I made those choices, subduing this part of your life, right? Bringing in to enslave or subdue Unto the will of God, okay? This, my, my sinful nature to the will of God is something that should come first in our lives. It should be the number, it should be first in our lives. Here's what Truman said, Harry Truman said. In reading the lives of great men, I found that the first victory they won was over themselves. Self-discipline with all of them came first. Self-discipline for all of us needs to come first. It needs to be the foundation from which we build. It needs to be the foundation on which we walk. And if we can do that, honestly, if we can start, and I'm not, no, you leave here, everybody's, 
Start sanctification, ongoing process. Start working. Ask yourself, where am I weak? Where am I weak spiritually? What is my besetting sin? Start working on that and allowing self-discipline to to recreate, okay? The old has gone. The new has come. Let it come. Let it come. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thanks for the opportunity, Lord, to just speak from my heart here, Lord. I'm speaking to myself. When I write these sermons, you know, Lord, you know I speak to myself first. So I pray, dear God, for all of us. I pray that you help all of us to become the men and women, the teenagers, the children that you've created us to be, you've designed us to be. This will not be easy, Lord God, but I pray that you would impress upon our hearts the importance of of self-reflection first, and then once we've understood that sin in our lives that needs to be addressed, that Lord God, through spiritual discipline, through self-discipline, that you would help us to overcome it and become more like your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And you may eat your cookie or your (laughs) whatever you have. Have a great week.